Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of No Earthly Explanation. I have my wonderful counterpart with me tonight, Donald Schmidt, and myself, Britt Barbieri. But tonight, we're going to get right into it for you guys. We have a very special guest, Dave Schrader himself. Now, let me give you a little background on Dave. He did grow up surrounded by the paranormal and having some ghostly visitations as a child. He even had his own Bigfoot experience in Alabama. And then he also also got the chance to see a UFO over Trout Lake, Washington, which is quite fascinating. He right now is the lead investigator on Travel Channel's show, The Holster Files, which you can see streaming on Discovery+. Plus. He is soon to be featured in a new series, Ghosts of Devil's Perch, which we will get into later in the show and allow him to kind of elaborate on that. Dave is one of the original paranormal podcasts launching back in 2016, or 2006, excuse me, and continues today on his new podcast, The Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. And you can hear and see that every Monday and Friday night. And let me tell you guys, it's a good one. He brings on great guests and I encourage you to go over and subscribe. Now, without further ado, I would like to bring in our special guest, the one and only Dave Schrader. Hey, that's- Take it away, Dave. (laughs) No pressure, boy. That was a big buildup I wrote for you to read about me, huh? Uh, Yeah, and I liked it. Studio audiences, right. I like it. Well, thank you guys for having me on tonight. I appreciate this. Oh, it's our pleasure, truly. So it's time to get, you know, get right into it. We're going to do this Old West gunslinger style. Don, would you like to shoot off your first question for Dave? Well, I always find it interesting that when one studies any one aspect of certain paranormal Mm -hmm. uh, phenomenon, how much overlapping, how very often people that have, for example, UFO experiences have had prior uh, psychic experiences, psychic phenomena, that type of thing, or vice versa, where they'll have an experience and all at once they become intrigued with quantum physics or Mm -hmm. celestial mechanics, that type of thing, as though they're chosen, they're selected, as though they serve to some degree as an ambassador for what may lie on the other sides, so to speak. So my first question is, do you feel Dave, as though for some reason you were selected, that you're this lightning rod that for some reason you attract as far as phenomenon that many people still, you know, see as something out there, it's outlandish, it's unbelievable, that type of thing. But yet you've had reoccurring experiences since you were a child. So do you feel that there's some agenda behind your having multiple experiences? of these sorts. Yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it, you know, but it's to me, it's one of those, which came first, the chicken or the egg. I had experiences, which I found fascinating. um, And I've always had a desire since a very early age to understand this kind of unseen realm around us. And, uh, you know, I grew up with a mom who read books by Hans Holzer, D. Scott Rogo, mm-hmm. the Warrens, you know, everybody that that was anybody about all these true stories. And my aunt read them and they were very encouraging when I had questions. They never tried to pat me down or, or keep me from, you know, exploring the, the strange. And then growing up with all the great TV shows that we had with, you know, starting with In Search Of and then Unsolved Mysteries and Sightings yeah, right. and all of this, it's just, it's kept that passion alive. So Part of it is, you know, I remember being a little kid and and now I'm learning about this 
as what we call intention setting. When I was a little kid, I used to practice doing radio shows in the garage with my buddy. And we'd, we'd record on our little black Kmart recorder and, and uh, do these radio shows. And we'd, you know, introduce songs or we'd do like Hardy Boys mystery stories or whatever, you know, just having fun with it. And now here I am living a Hardy Boys mystery story. I get to go around the world, travel, see haunted locations, be a part of that and kind of inject myself into the history, which is what I've always wanted to do uh, since I was, uh, you know, a very, very young boy. I'm, I'm not happy that you mentioned uh, a name that many of us haven't heard in years, and that being Hans Holter, as far as the idea that he would write a UFO book and then he would write a book on ghosts. He could write a book as far as on, you know, almost approaching a scientific approach to certain investigations, but yet he was so free-spirited that mm -hmm. uh, he was willing to, you know, constantly consider that there was a much bigger scheme at hand here. And, uh, and long you know, ago, said, uh, I'm, I'm happy you mentioned him. Well, you know, I mean, I did the Holzer Files TV show for two years and uh, following his footsteps investigating. And he wrote books on witches, UFOs, mm -hmm. psychic phenomenon, uh, Bishop Hike, um, you know, ghosts, haunted possessions, the Amityville 2. So he's been... A driving force in the paranormal field that I feel really kind of gets swept away uh, with the advent of all the flash and dazzle of the 21st century, you know. Um, and I'm glad that we had a chance to revisit his original case files and go back in at least for two seasons, 23 episodes, and look at these stories and try to breathe new life into them and give this history back to the people and to Hans Holzer and his family. So I'm glad that people I, have the show and enjoy it. I personally applaud you for that series because it brought back many memories of uh, someone who was truly an inspiration on the likes of the Ivan T. Sanderson's and the John Keels, right. uh, as far as everything from Mothman to uh, as far as just phenomenon that people have always tried to establish a connection. And yet it remains as far as wide open territory because mm -hmm. in as much as there are similarities and patterns, they, there's still singularities as to uh, the phenomenon that seem to still stand on their own. And yet right. these particular authors were willing to cross those barriers. They were willing to still try to establish those connections. And well, so why, great yeah, why limit ourselves by believing that any one thing is independent of itself. You know, I mean, the world is interconnected. People are interconnected. We know that because, you know, I'll be sitting there and all of a sudden I'm in a bubbly chipper mood and I'm like, where did this come from? I'm not, I'm just sitting here. And then 10 seconds later, Brittany Barbieri calls me up and she's, Hey, Dave. And it's like, wow, oh, my friend called me and I was picking up on that energy before I even picked up the phone. And then there's been days when you're sitting there and you you're just in a foul mood and all of a sudden your buddy calls you and he's just having a bad day and you realize, just how connected we really are in these planes of energy and exchange so bigfoot the monsters mysteries legends ghosts ufos aliens loch ness monster portals bermuda triangle there's all this commonality and threads behind them and it's part of what keeps the universe so exciting for me and why this was my fascination i never wanted to limit myself to one genre and it's funny how you know ghost people seem to keep the ghost people and bigfoot people keep the bigfoot people and ufo Very territorial. I, you know, right. i'm all over I, I if it's a mystery you know i was driving in my car 
listening to George Norrie on Coast to Coast in 2006, and he's talking to uh, James Gilliland out at the Assetti Ranch in Trout Lake, Washington, and James mm-hmm. says at the end, I invite anybody to come here, and if you come on a clear night, you have a 90 to 95% chance of seeing UFOs or strange phenomena. Right. In the sky. And I thought, well, as somebody intrigued by this, even though I'm more of a ghost guy at this point, how could I not go to a place where there's a 90 to 95% chance of seeing a UFO? And I went out exactly. there. And so, you know, I keep injecting. Now, I will say, Britt, you and I have had this conversation. I haven't been as quick to jump on the Bigfoot bandwagon because I saw one as a kid by accident. But the idea of going out in the middle of the dirty, stinky, icky, pokey woods where there's (laughs) things that want to eat you and Bigfoot that might want to club you to death with your own arm (laughs) kind of unnerving to me. And I don't, you know, I've gotten a lot slower. So I need to come with like Shane, who's got a bad ankle. So I have a chance to roll him and run. Um, then I might feel. be more into it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but, I, you know, I'm fascinated by that. And I guess I'm still waiting for it. As I told you, I'm waiting for the, the right team to take me out big footing that actually has a plan if we find one. Yeah, nope. I told you nope. mine. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, we're, well, I don't know if tickling and cuddling and doing each other's hair is really a thing for Bigfoot. <laughs> but I'm going to try. Wait a minute. I said go to Walmart. I said take him to Walmart. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, but that's how you start the night. And then you get some snacks and then you're doing each other's hair and talking about boys. That's how that's this true. whole thing ends up. That's true. Jack's links. You know, you, there's only one way. It might be enough of an adventure just spending an evening at Walmart. I don't know. That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm more frightened of the fleshies <laughs> than I am of the furries and the uh, ghosties and, and uh, all the flying beasties out there. Well, we just lost our endorsement for Walmart, but that's okay. Yeah, that went out the window. <laughs> However, they might agree. They might like to make like a midnight cryptid hour. You never know. Um, well, come <laughs> so, so my question for you mm-hmm. is something that I've done in my own research, and I would love to hear your take on it. It has okay. to do with, uh, with the spirit world, mm-hmm. but probably in the last so I'm going to say 12 years. And it happened because of an audio that I heard of a friend of mine. And it really sparked an interest into me of, well, okay. Do you believe in the possibilities of the past and the present overlapping to where both people believe they're having a ghostly experience at, time, at the same time? And the person you're talking to is not actually dead. They're yes. really alive, but you both are having a crossover because I've experienced this multiple times. And I believe a lot of times on locations and a couple that I've privately investigated, that's what was happening in their home. It was not a residual haunting as they like to place it. So I really want to take your advice or your input or however you are looking at this into effect as well, because it's something I've been studying pretty heavily. And since you've been investigating for, you know, obviously longer than me on that regard, I would like to take and see what your take is on it. I wrote an article for a magazine like uh, 14, 15 years ago called Are We Haunting Ourselves? Because I took apart the concept of what hauntings were and and the concept of a residual haunting I always found fascinating. I'm like, so residual haunting for your listeners and, and viewers that may not be familiar, that's that kind of time loop, that that moment that seems to replay itself at three o'clock in the afternoon on the 4th of July, every year, grandma's ghost is seen, you know, blowing off fireworks and, and drinking tea on the front deck. And then she vanishes. And uh, it's funny because those are some of the most popular, right? The, the, Mm -hmm. the old uh, widow who goes up to the widow's 
uh, tower every night looking for her husband to return home only to vanish once she gets up there. And I've gone to a bunch of residual haunting spots and I've never once bumped into a residual haunting. But my thought was always, how does a residual haunting know to turn itself on? Right? I mean, is it when the spark of humanity dies that ignites the, the wick of the residual haunting? And I said, no, I'm willing to bet it happens all the time. So mm-hmm. I always likened it to this, all right? Uh, my grandmother would come to visit. She would stay up late watching Groucho Marx and the news. I was in bed at nine o'clock. And then I would hear the TV go off. I'd hear her shuffle up the stairs, the clinking of her cup into the sink, going upstairs, the flushing of the toilet, footsteps into her room and the bed creaking. And that was the sound I recognized. Now, on this one night, I hear all those sounds. And about, you know, two hours later, after I wake up to go to the bathroom myself, my grandmother's sound asleep on the couch downstairs watching TV. I rationalized myself. Well, she must have gotten back up, unable to sleep, and went down there. Talked to grandma the next morning. No, she just fell asleep on the couch. So, you know, I think these residual hauntings are happening around. It's, it's, it's stuff that just occurs all the time. But if somebody's alive, you don't pay as much attention to it. You, oh, that must be grandma. That must be this. That must be that. It's the house settling. It's whatever. But I think once you remove the living component, you're, you become more eerily aware of those moments mm-hmm. and and i tell people the way i i look at at things is okay this this place i'm sitting has always existed at one time it was primordial ooze and then it became you know lava ground and dinosaurs and everything so the back cover of the book is the beginning of time and every page in between is all of the layers of life that's lived here the top cover is when the world snuffs out right? So this exists, this entire book exists in the same plane, but it's separated by all that has come in between. And sometimes if you get a page wet, you know how you can start to see the words in on the other pages. I often think that sometimes we're just in the right place at the right time, and the page gets wet of our history, and we're able to see little glimpses. Um, and sometimes it's just a bump. So we only see grandma walk rounding the corner and she may not have noticed us. We just noticed that moment. And then there's other times where, you know, uh, one of my favorite stories I tell all the time is that we had one of our listeners go, we had my grandparents built this house. They built it in what used to be an old cornfield. There were no deaths there. There was no ancient native American burial ground. There was no wars. Nobody ever died in the house. And then one day, Grandma's sitting in the house after 40 years of owning it. She's watching Jeopardy, and in walk these three shadowy figures that stop in front of her chair, turn around, and run out of the room. Now Grandma's house is haunted. What caused that haunting? Where did these three shadowy figures come from? He said, then the strangest thing is, we all become more acutely aware of the sound of, were those footsteps? Did I hear a knocking? Was something moving in the kitchen when nobody was down there? And then Grandma passed away. And about a year or two later, this guy and his buddy come walking into the living room and sitting in grandma's chair is grandma. And the three of them stop and look at her and look at each other and run out of the room. And the guy stopped and he went, oh my God, this is exactly what she saw from the other side. So who was haunting who in that brief moment in time? Seeing through that veil 
and being in the same place, we might just bump into that. Now, was it an alternate reality, a parallel universe, or was it this reality and the layers are just so close that once in a while, the pages are going to riffle in the wind and we're going to get that opportunity to see through and see these moments. That was really, really well stated and put together. Yeah, let me just... <laughs> yeah, we'll get a little deeper. <laughs> no, you know, it always fascinated me because even in my own research and things that had happened to me, and I always wondered from even a very young age, if these are ghosts and I, they walk through walls and they are there and then they're gone, why do I hear their footsteps? Like, mm -hmm. it always bothered me as a kid because I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Why is, you know, old Bob stomping his feet through the house, letting me know he's here, but he'll come right in and out of the wall all the time. Like, this doesn't make sense to me. So I grew up having this thought process all the time. And it was always like, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> These residuals don't make sense. Because you could right. literally be in a house and you could hear somebody walking up the stairs and walking across like the second level and doing a routine. And then, you know, having somebody that's living in that, they're like, that's what I'm talking about. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, but that's not a ghost. Like you're hearing somebody living in, and then my biggest right. thing is, where's the blueprints? Oh, the house hasn't changed. So yeah, so the frequency of that person, he's that person is literally just doing their routine. You know, and, right. and it's the just fascinating. Blueprints haven't changed, right. but our positioning on the earth has changed. Things have shifted slightly. So maybe the reason he's not walking through the wall instead of the door is because our reality is just a slight, misstep from his reality, his reality. Mm -hmm. and that's you know that's what's crossing through um that's what i always saw as the problem with time travel if i get in my time machine right now and i punch in uh june 5th 1985 and i want to go back to my high school reunion and i hit that button it's going to throw me out in the middle of the universe where earth was <laughs> or it's going to leave me right here and i'm going to pop out and be in the middle of space because earth in 1985 is all the way back there so I you know, really love that you said that, Dave, because okay. let me tell you, I, I'm so glad that I have somebody on the same, and Don's on the same wavelength too, because when I was doing um, a study in regards to the, the time loop of the theory of bending of time, I was like, today, like, let's say we look at this very day and we're like, oh, well, you know, Aunt Bet and Betty died on August the 12th. Okay, well, August the 12th wasn't necessarily, let's say, a Friday. Mm -hmm. If you have to literally go back to what year it was and count back the days, because every day goes up a day. So you actually have to go back and go, no, she didn't really die on a Friday. She died like on a Monday or a Tuesday, you know, in the year that she died. But people don't think that. So then you also have to take that into account too of constellation placement. The time of day was a little off. The sunset might have been 15 minutes earlier. You know, like all these things play into account of these particular situations that on average, most people don't stop and think about. You're just like, no, they died on Friday at eight, but it wasn't Friday at eight. <laughs> and if the world is slowly turning and things are changing and polar caps are, are switching, right? And flipping, could it be that the reason we're suddenly having a host of ghosts over here has nothing to do with our house, but the energetic signature of earth has shifted with the with the poles so so the, here's the magnetic for those that can't see this I'm, I'm putting my hand in a claw shape and if you imagine the middle finger up over the top of the earth and the palm at the bottom of the earth and that's the energy field the 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 earth is within it and if these beings are truly part of that magnetic force as it shifts maybe the neighbors were killed in a brutal uh, you know, murder suicide 40 years ago. And as time shifts and the, the planet rotates and the magnetic fields shift, maybe the reason my house becomes haunted is because 
the energy has moved over here and eventually may move down the block. But why is their house not haunted? Why are we getting their ghosts here? Yeah, and the, yeah. the ghost of Cielo Drive come to mind, you know, where Sharon Tate and uh, Jay Sebring were, mar- uh, were murdered. Yeah. And, you know, David Omen owns the house down the street and he has what he believes to be those ghosts residing in his area. And the energy there is very high. There's a high magnetic field. Dr. Barry Taff, one of the main investigators of the entity case and San Pedro case, he's been there, won't go back in because the energy field is so powerful, it makes him physically ill. That's so, right. I know Barry very well, and that is right. true. Yeah. 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 So yeah. that tells you that there is that there is shifts in energetic fields, which could shift mm-hmm. then like a Rubik's Cube, move, move the haunting from side A to side B, and then you know, your house happens to be in line with where that is now. So that yeah. could be part of what we're dealing with. So one of the areas of fascination I've always had, and you mentioned coast to coast with George Norrie mm-hmm. earlier. And Art Bell had originally started this. It was mm-hmm. an annual event every Halloween yep. where basically, you know, phone calls from the dead. Yeah, it was ghost, ghost to ghost. ghost. Yeah, ghost right. to ghost every ghost. Halloween. That's correct. And how often, and we we all have observed when we watch like YouTube and you see as far as someone who is audio is out of sync with their mouths, that type of thing. And as ghostly apparitions generally are something very shadowy, very, uh, very vague, very transparent. Whereas the voices often... And as I remember, many a night listening after dark and case after case where people would be in supposedly a haunted house and they Mm -hmm. would hear voices. They would hear their names call out as though it was a relative. It was someone that they were, you know, renewing a contact with. And UW in Madison, here where I'm in Wisconsin, they've even done research that I'm aware of as far as going to hospital rooms in the past where someone had recently passed on and then picking up voices or the voice of the individual minutes after they've already you know, been mm-hmm. declared dead. And then going to cemeteries as far as uh, newly buried individuals and then coming back and playing the, the tape recorder and there would be voices mm-hmm. that would you know, be recorded, that type of thing. Is this part of that crossover that it isn't necessarily even something physical as much as it could be even audio at times? Well, right. The, we know the audio spectrum lives in a different uh, energetic field than the physical form, right? Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. audio right now, as we broadcast it, will continue to go way out into space, right? And and as it gets further away, it gets bigger and loopier and it's harder to hear and and it right. gets distorted. You need something that's going to pull it into focus that gives it the, the resonance to understand what's being said. So I right. think audio audio is, you know, something when my mom was passing, uh, you know, we're very close. She knew my fascination with ghosts. She used to go ghost hunting with me at all these live events. And as she was dying in the last few days, I ran a recorder, but I didn't run it in front of her. I ran it up by her head, which right, may right. sound weird, but my thought was, she's in a different energetic state. Mm -hmm. And as people that are passing away, sometimes they begin to see things, hear things. I wondered if by having the recorder 
near her head as opposed to in front of her mouth? Would I pick up anything she might be picking up telepathically? I got no responses on that. And mom uh, didn't see, you know, I asked her, I said, are you seeing grandpa? Are you seeing anybody coming through? She said, no, I'm not seeing anything. And then uh, one day when Chris Fleming came in the day before my mom died, as we were talking, all of a sudden she just stopped and looked at the ceiling and she went, oh, well, look at that. And I said, what is it, mom? And she kind of snapped out of it. No, nothing, nothing. And Chris looked at me and he goes, it's close, buddy. She's seeing stuff. And I think she was afraid that by telling me it would, it would destroy me, but it was obvious. She was, things were starting to make themselves known to her. Uh, but I tried recording is with her permission. I never did it once she passed away because I always felt that, you know, she did her job with me for almost 50 years passed away just before I turned 50. I didn't want to call her back. I feel we haunt the dead more than they haunt us. It's our want and desire and grieving that sometimes anchors these poor spirits here and bring them back. And I think because they feel a sense of obligation to us that they don't always um, let go. And then I, I wonder if they lose their way because they stayed here for us and maybe the light has shifted and they don't know where to go to get back into that, to, to find their way home. Similar experience involved one of our Roswell witnesses from 1947. And uh, the husband had passed away. He was one of the former military personnel at the base at that time. And uh, his wife outlived him by a few more years and she had slipped into a coma. And the family came to essentially say goodbye at the hospital, and there she was sitting up in bed. And she was laughing, and she was going on and on, and finally she goes, I will see you tomorrow. And she, she announced, you can take me home. I'd like to, you know, I'd like to be at home when I pass on. And everybody walked away. She was talking to her husband. Mm -hmm. She was talking to him, I'll see you tomorrow. And he was telling her some old whoppers that he was known for, and they were... Probably both having a good laugh about it. And I'll see you tomorrow. And sure enough, the very next day, she did pass away. And doesn't it make you wonder, was she really seeing her husband? Or was she seeing a holographic projection of, right. of her husband that she's kept inside? Within her own mind. Right. Are we projecting? Our, is that what these ghosts are and our, our want and desire? Because I've watched people do recording uh, EVP, electronic voice phenomena. And when you have 20 people standing around a recorder and we know the answer is Titanic and I go, what was the ship that hit the iceberg and sank? And we're all focused on it. Are we imprinting the answer or did a spirit really go, the answer is a Titanic, right? <laughs> playing password with us. I don't know how that all breaks down, but I think that we do affect and impact things. Where I stood 17, 18 years ago to where I stand now, I have many more questions now than I ever did. And I don't believe that there's any one answer to how this all goes down. Um, I've, I've come to a different perspective of what I believe death is and what heaven and hell will be. Um, and that's from kind of gleaning information from people that have been there and kind of sorting through the dogma of spirituality and looking more at the concept of the duality of who we are as a person. I truly believe that when, when I die, I will visit both heaven and hell. 
Which one keeps me longer? Depends on the life that I lead. The more crappy things I do to people, the more I say hurtful, hateful things that hurt and, and cause uh, tsunamis in their lives, the more I have to relive those moments. And I, I believe that it's not me reliving my moment. I believe I'm Brittany Barbieri. I'm, I'm living her life the moment she hears something horrible that, that I said to her and made her feel bad about. And then how that affects the rest of her life. And every time she's in this situation and, and looking for joy, she hears that voice. I kind of feel like that's my hell. I'm going to relive all the things that I've done wrong to other people. And I think heaven will be re getting to live through the eyes of the people that I've helped to, to be able to see how I positively impacted people. So I've certainly made a more concerted effort. The older I've gotten to try to make a better footprint in people's lives. Uh, like my grandfather told me, leave every situation at least 10% better than you found it. And you'll be in a good place in life. And I, I firmly believe that. That's great You're advice. essentially describing what the Catholic Church and their belief of a purgatory, the idea that yeah. you need to be still held in account for your misdeeds, your misdoings throughout your life, and right. it has to be the purging before you move on to the next level, the better level, so to speak. So interesting. And if you knew, if you knew right now that you had to stand there and face all the horrible things you did to people and not just watch yourself do it because who cares? I did it the first time I can live through watching this idiot go through it again. But all of a sudden you realize you get to live that idiot's life and feel the pain of that idiot because you caused that. I think maybe we'd stop doing the things we do and we'd stop judging the things that are not ours to judge. And we would allow people to just live, love, and and try to build each other better than we are. And I think that would do away with ghosts. You know, I say, I, my my goal in life is to do away with mediums and psychics. And I don't mean that in the Harry Houdini methodology of they're all charlatans and fakes and frauds. My honest to God belief is I don't get visitations from my mom, not because she's angry at me in the afterlife and we had a broken relationship it's quite the opposite because we said everything in life she knew how much i loved her i know how much she loved me we know those things would i like to hear from her sure would I, but i'm not going to call upon that and i think that if we can reach that point in our life where we we're good with when the moment comes and i let go of Brittany barbieri's hand as she drifts off into that ether world i don't have to worry will she ever know how much she really meant will she know how much she impacted my life because I'll just make sure she knows about it right now so that that's never a question. And I'm never wanting to get back in touch with somebody afterwards. Right. Trying to me yeah. calling upon the spirit is like a drunk call to your ex. Hey, remember <laughs> when we were in love and we, we chose to get back together. That's the whole thing. You make that call in those vulnerable spots. But if I, if I left things good, I don't have to make that drunk call. Right. I don't have to call upon the spirits to come forward and try to make amends. Were you angry at me? Did you forgive me for this? I just know that things are going to be okay because I made sure of it in life. No regrets. Yeah. No other words that you can move on and uh, no reason to look back. I, I, I can totally agree with that and see that because I, I watched a lot of that unfold with my grandma when she was passing. My grandma was like almost like another mom to me. We were very close and even as she was on her way out and we knew she was going, we just didn't know when she would every day ask us, is everyone okay? You're sure everyone's okay. Like she wanted to make sure before she left 
the only one that she was always concerned about was of course her husband, which was my grandfather, you know, is he okay? Is he, you know, there was a lot that we really couldn't tell him towards the end because it would have killed him right away. Like there was just so much. And as she deteriorated towards the very, very end, we no longer could allow him to see her because it would have just killed him. And so we were there the day that she passed. And I know that she heard us tell her that, you know, sorry, grandma, but you know, grandpa really can't see you. And you know how he would feel if he saw you. And that was it. She knew everybody else was fine. And Mm -hmm. she knew that she could handle him because Gaga said that she visited him the night she left. So it was very cool to me that that happened. Mm -hmm. Um, But even there were a few things in passing that I, you know, I didn't think about doing a recording because you're just so caught up in the moment. I started a journal because she was doing things and saying things and caught up in conversations with people that we weren't really sure who they were at first. And at one point she was having this laughing conversation. And I said, Manny, who are you talking to? And, and she kind of giggled for a second. She goes, Joan, and looks at me like, how do I not see her? How do I not know? Well, Joan was my aunt, my dad's sister. Mm. And I was like, well, if anybody's here cracking jokes, I know that it would be Aunt Joan, you know, absolutely like to make it kind of come. But the one thing that happened that made me realize that this wasn't just Uh, a mental state of mind or a projection of her own was because she had had a miscarriage early on of twins and they only could identify the one sex. And so she knew that one of them was a boy. And during this time period, she told my mom and I that her sons were there to come see her. And she said it was her sons. And my mom and I, of course, looked at each other and were like, she, she, we, none of us knew what the other sex was. And then what was weird is we never told my grandfather about that. And when my grandfather was starting to pass, he told me that his sons were visiting him. And I asked him what they looked like. And, you know, he said they looked a lot like my brother, which would make sense, obviously, that they, right. they looked familiar. Um, but he said his sons. And I turned to mom and I said, oh, my God, like his sons came not only to Nanny to let her know, hey, mom, we're waiting for you. But they also came to my grandfather. We never told him. So they didn't, they both did not know. So for me, it was really cool because that was a connection I made of what they're seeing on the other side is their loved ones had come to visit to say, hey, mm-hmm. we're coming to see you. It's great over here. Can't wait for you guys to <laughs> join us or whatever. But there were other moments too that made me go, what's really going on? Like what's happening, you know, in this in-between state that they're in that it's such a weird energy you know even i've told my husband listen when i when i'm dying if i know that i'm like okay i want a recorder set up i want all these different things set up in the room because i want to capture the time that i'm leaving i want my kids to see it and know that i'm okay like i'm that crazy like i would totally so be fine I, with but, it but you know what i'm gonna do brit is i'm gonna scream so that my oh. <laughs> just to put that fear of God into them to maybe turn their lives around. Is that wrong? Am I a bad guy? <laughs> I thought dad was so good. You think he went to hell? I don't know. Oh my God. He was so it nice. Hurts. Oh, it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> that so is that's hilarious. That's a scene with Billy Bob Thornton playing Baby Crockett <laughs> after he'd been captured at the fall of the Alamo. And just before they kill him, he... He tells them, now just to let you know, I'm a screamer. So he forewarned them. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Creepy, huh? So to shift a little bit, let's yes. I have I have a shift for you. Okay. I want to get into the world of vampires. Okay. Can, so, I, can I mention one thing real quickly though about ghosts? 
Yeah. I think a lot, you know, what, what I was really proud about being a part of the Holzer Files and the new show that I'm a part of, which is called Ghosts of Devil's Perch. We're in Butte, Montana, investigating these claims. Uh, there's just uptick of paranormal activity. And I think what it is, is that so much of our history is being lost. Everybody's so focused on their own world that they're forgetting how we got to the places we are and whose blood, sweat, and tears built this location. Could not agree more. Could not agree mm -hmm. more. So, you know, when, when I do what I do, I don't go in for the thrill like I did as a child trying to communicate with the dead just to, to get that thrill. I do it to now give voice to the spirits to give them a chance for their story to be heard, to clear their name, to give um, a formal ending to their story so that it's not left out there for other people to discern, for other people to manipulate and and turn around. So I think that's, you know, for, for the spirit realm, make sure that you tell the right stories. You don't have to grandize people's stories. You don't have to falsify them. Just tell their stories and keep that true. And I think that that'll settle the spirits of most, you know, a lot of upset, angry spirits are are here because there's been so many lies and, and twists and turns and manipulations. And, and, you know, like they say, when the legend is bigger than reality, print the legend, right? That shouldn't be the way it is. We should remember things for what they are. And that's what I believe UFOs are. I believe UFOs are really, us coming back to get history right so we can finally put in the, in the books all right so on 9 11 this is what happened uh when the pope died this is what happened it's interesting that ufos are seen just before and just after a lot of these major world events and i think it's because they're there to bear witness to the final outcome for a lot of these historic moments well it is is not acknowledged the fact that what is all of recorded history but mm -hmm eyewitness observation, eyewitness testimony, that very often, as the old, you know, the old uh, axiom that when somebody passes on, well, now they have all the answers. Now they have the truth. So maybe that's their efforts, their attempt at passing on the truth, setting, setting the, the record. record straight. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're, the new series starts August 21st on Travel Channel and Discovery Plus. So Sunday, August 21st, the first of eight episodes begins airing. It's called Ghosts of Devil's Perch. Cindy Kaza, the medium, myself, and the mad scientist of the paranormal, Katie Stafford, are out there trying to put right what has gone wrong in a lot of these people's stories. And that's where we live, you know, um, trying to make sure that the spirit stories get told right. And sometimes it pisses people off because they've got a narrative, and this is the narrative they, they're comfortable with. But if it's not what the spirits are telling us, we're just going to share what the spirits have to say because that's what is important to us. That's what I, I hope to do in helping this world and helping the spirit realm is just give them, you know, one last chance to be heard for who they are and what they really believed. And well, if they were much, me or, or, you know, whatever their feelings were. Much success and we hope it gets renewed. Hope you get a second season. Sounds great. Great. Thank you. Yeah, and a lot of times too, the, the thing that I <clears throat> I've discovered over the years in all aspects of when you say paranormal, it's a giant sphere that breaks into a bunch of trees. But mm -hmm. in paranormal alone, there are true incredible cases 
and stories and people's history that have been written in journals, whether it be they lived a real haunting, they took journals, they wrote it down. You don't have to make that into a theater play. Right. The truth of it is exciting alone because they were documenting everything they were experiencing. Even in the Bigfoot community, you have so many incredible encounters and, you know, including gentlemen that were hunters that came face to face and made eye contact with these things and had a moment of clarity to go, this is a living, breathing, almost human-like thing that's looking at me with compassion saying, please don't shoot me. Just let me walk away. And they feel that. And then they, they don't, and it changes their life. And then somehow or another, that story didn't turn into, we made eye contact and then it ripped my arms off. There's, there's no need to add in. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. exactly. Like the true stories behind a lot of these cases are so fascinating and enriched with such history that mm -hmm. they're better off just being left like that. I mean, even some pirates that have been very over told but now have all these new things that have popped into it that it's like that's not really the original story of this pirate you know but you said Wait, that are you, you telling me the pirates of the caribbean movies <laughs> might be mishandling original legend and lore <laughs> i was like <laughs> was a good oh there goes your disney throw it out there yeah, yeah, nice. it's, a, it's a crush on johnny depp that's all it is so. who told you <laughs> yeah. i had a crush on johnny depp that was supposed to be my secret <laughs> oh Oh, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> Dave Dave was a justice for Johnny Phil, yeah. okay? Wink, wink. <laughs> no, but you know, like in truth, there's just, I, I. it's something that I've always been really annoyed with is like, they'll take a really great story that had so much enrichment into it and then they really fabricate it into something else. And I agree with you. Let the souls tell their story. And Cindy's amazing. So yep. if she's able to get these, these facts out, this history out, then let their stories be told because we don't really know the process on the other side. We don't know if that just bothers somebody so much that their history has been made up or lied or this person committed this murder and they really didn't. I, I wouldn't want to have to live even in the afterlife of knowing everybody in my town that loved me and adored me thinks I murdered this person. Or, I mean, you could take that even to the Salem Witch Trials, the first woman that was murdered. I mean, she was an elder of the community who helped out everybody there. And she was tried as a witch, but she was a kind woman and her husband had to watch her die for what? So imagine being her soul on the other side going, I loved all of you. I cared, I raised your children. I took care of you and you burn me for false accusations. I, I can't imagine that. And so I agree with you, Dave. And I'm grateful to hear that you're doing an incredible series with that in mind because it's time that that justice is being served so i'm i'm right there quickly if i may just make this point and that can also go in the reverse though because we had uh one particular witness who we had exposed as a fraud and uh forged documents and signatures and uh phony paste up pictures and and, and so on but we after he passed away, we kept it all a secret from his wife. We made sure that we did not disclose anything till after she passed away. We did not want to ruin the impression, the you know, the the feeling she had towards her husband after being married fifty some years. Okay. Well, point being that after she died, then she learned the truth. Then she yeah. found that, <laughs> that he it was all comes out in the wash, right? <laughs> that would 
really suck to be on the other side and have your wife be like, what did I just hear? Be like, I thought everything was a kosher now. Honey, let it go. We're enlightened now. We're in heaven. Let it go. All is forgiven. Right, right. Can't we just go watch Elvis play live and we'll talk about it later when we're sitting with Lincoln? No? Okay. Elvis and Bowie and Prince are pulling a three-parter concert tonight. Let's just go watch that. Listen. Listen. That would be so epic. I loved all of them. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I would have been front and center. Okay. I'm going to run front and center when I get there. That's happening. Well, once Elvis truly dies. Yes. Uh, (laughs) They say, though, that his house is haunted. Yeah, you're not even allowed to investigate it. But people have captured weird, which, again, I still think is the time bend situation where you're capturing him really there. It's just weird. They take pictures at Graceland and he's peeking out through some of the, you know, between yeah, well, the it was the 1970s. And what it was was all of the goofballs in his Memphis Mafia dressed like right. him. And it right. just happened to be one of his buddies sitting in that screened in porch when they took the picture. Right. And he right. looking out. Right. right. And what a perfect, I mean, he had impersonators mm-hmm. even while he was alive. Yes. Hey, yes. I believe, I truly believe. This is this is where you can draw the cuckoo line for me. I believe Elvis did not die at that point in his life. I think he may be dead now, but I don't believe he died. Uh, there's other really interesting bits of history that have come out since that are pretty compelling, and things like the fact that he paid uh, he paid personal income tax until the early 2000s. The you know Elvis Presley Industries, his business should pay income tax, but not him personally not unless him personally. he's still alive. So he was also very much into law enforcement and there's a, you know, very well-known deal that he was flipping on the mob to help mm-hmm. do something. And they believe that they killed him off uh, the, the government to keep him safe. Um, there's a document signed a few weeks after his death by Elvis Presley as an eyewitness to this crime, uh, you know, to, to help prosecute it. So there's some interesting elements to it that make you sit back and go, Hmm. So either somebody was forging documents or uh, it legitimately happened and he's, you know, he faked his own death uh, to, to live again. Boy, that's a great way to make some extra cash. He was pretty cash poor at the time of his death. And when he died, his record sales and and uh, everything went through the roof. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden your, your estate's worth billions again. So yeah, it's something to consider. Even Colonel Tom Parker made, would make the comment before he had supposedly died that he would be worth more dead than alive right. and the court proved that yes but i mean i wouldn't be surprised i mean if you look at everything he was going through at the time and the stress he was under the medication he was under i mean he wasn't living the way he i mean he was he wasn't even himself like i i can't imagine and then you have that kind of publicity and that kind of crowd and those Although, people stalking i mean yeah I, if i had I, an out I think there's so many cool aspects to how he could have faked it. And if anybody would have done it, it's him. But I just don't think that ego would have allowed him to be like, all right, man, but you're going to tell people I died on the toilet. I don't like right. that part of the story. That's man. true. You know, that so that's true. one angle. You know, I think, oh, he died in the midst of making love to Anne Margaret or something. Not I was taking <laughs> a poop and passed out, man. That would not be the way I believe Elvis would want people to believe he went. I would agree with that. Yeah. Unless well, he was told that's what it's going to be period yeah, i guess yeah i mean michael jackson people believe that he staged his own death i mean mm. people people believe that with him as well that he just needed to get away from it all from all of it mm-hmm. so yeah who knows people say they see him all the time 
I've seen them on a train station. So you never yeah. know. I've met a couple of, see, see them in Vegas every year at Super Bowl time. I've taken pictures of them a couple of times. There's a pretty amazing impersonator down there. You know, so not not playing the big stage, but for five bucks a picture, you can't go wrong, MJ. That's what I'm... <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, in, in history, there's always been a lot of those that, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of people in history that were known figures that they believe staged their own death for whatever mm -hmm. reason. And there's really weird things that pop up I and mean, it just happens. It's very odd. Yeah. Well, look, even so the, way, the way Oliver Stone ended the, the Doors movie, it is said on this date, Jim Morrison died. Two years later, Pamela joined him. I think that's an interesting way to frame it. And uh, that's a good one. I, I have spoken to people that were in the inner circles that claim that he went on to live uh, for at least a few more years uh, in, I think it was France or Belgium, uh, that they you know, knew he was still there for a while. So they're frozen. Guy, yeah. Maybe that's just because we just don't want to let go. Right. It's us haunting them again. It's us want and desire to keep these things to ourselves. And that's why, you know, ghosts are here. And that's why legends well, they, continue. They tried to keep Adolf Hitler alive as well. And those who believe that he lived long beyond the bunker. Right. Or live, or, uh, mm -hmm. It's beyond those who just don't want to let go. In his case, there should have been no desire. <laughs> so, that, Britt, you had brought up vampires. Yes, vampires, let's go. <laughs> okay, well, we're down to our last couple minutes of the show, so I will, okay. I will try and make this quick. Right. So throughout history, we know that there's a lot about vampires. We know mm -hmm. that I, I can't even get into the big brunt of it. But my question is, do you think Jack the Ripper could have been a vampire? Because I know that is a massive theory going around. And I've wrapped my brain around it time and time again. And I sit there and I go, it makes a lot of sense, but I, I thought they figured this out. <laughs> so <laughs> I want your take on it. I want to hear what you have to say. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to connect you with a really interesting guy by the name of Neil Story. He wrote a book um, about Dracula and his ties to... Uh, um, jack the ripper i think where this twisted version of history is coming from is that um you know it's always been believed that dracula was based on vlad tepish right. and i think that there are elements of him in there but uh neil's story actually tracked down manuscripts and handwritten copies of books that bram stoker wrote and in the notes he talks about jack the ripper being the true inspiration for dracula this being that could just be everywhere at any time and be amongst the swells and the 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 dirt bags of society and, and kind of traverse both sides and come and go and that's what made him so ultimately terrifying uh neil does a really great story uh, and and takes you deep into it he believes it was francis tumblety that was the ripper um wow. and there's certainly a lot of interesting fascinating things when he did die they found you know he used to keep body parts in pickle jars so mm -hmm. You know, and there was always pieces missing from the the Ripper victims. So it certainly makes it sound like that's a good aspect. Uh, you know, my my buddy Jeff Mudgett believes his great 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 grandfather H.H. Uh, H. Holmes was Jack the Ripper. Um, there's so many different iterations of it. To, to my taking, Tumblety and Holmes seem like the two most interesting possibilities to being Jack the Ripper. But uh, as far as vampire, I don't believe that true blood sucking vampires exist. We know enough about history and what happened with people digging up graves because it was legal 
to take the bodies and sell them, but it wasn't legal to take the clothing and things. So one guy would break into a grave and steal the body. Next guy would break into the grave and there was no body. That must mean they're a vampire. And some of these people that died, um, you know, oh, their hair continued to grow, their nails, can, their teeth snarled up. Well, that's because your skin tightens up and it makes the appearance of your nails grow. Your hair appears to grow a little longer because your head is, you know, dehydrating and pulling back, uh, which is apparently what happened to me. Just my head dehydrated so much, all my <laughs> hair fell out. Um, but there are all these things. And, and you know, they would find fresh blood in the mouth. Well, some of these people died of consumption and the blood in the lungs and things would release uh, afterwards. And then doctors were not great at what they were doing. So they would open up coffins and find scratch marks on the inside. So, you know, they used to bury people with bricks in their mouths, chop their head off, put the le- head between their legs for this fear that these things were coming back. But we know that a lot of that was just misunderstanding of science and what it was. So I do believe in energy vampires. We've all been around that person that just sucks the life out of a room and out of a person and Mm -hmm. has ill intent and can do that. And I believe that, and they can impose and infect you with negativity and and send you down a spiral. I don't believe necessarily in the old, uh, you know, sanguine blood sucking vampire (laughs) races out there. but you know, if I'm wrong, fight me. I'd love to live for eternity. So wait, Edward isn't real. Oh, that's it. Twilight's just done no. for me. I'm just kidding. Hey, no, <laughs> all, all vampires sparkle just before they burst into flames. You should know that. Just <laughs> they burst into flames. <laughs> well, I'm glad you said that because I like I I you know I know the infatuation and the and the 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 romance behind like vampires. Oh, it's so enticing. I used to but- file my eye teeth as a child with my mom's nail file because I wanted to be a vampire. I thought if I had the teeth, I could live forever. And I was okay with the idea of drinking blood if I had to, because I, I don't, I don't, I've been terrified of death my whole life. So the concept of living forever was good. That's why I have 11 children, because as my parts fall apart, I can just borrow theirs and just keep replacing pieces like a 57 Chevy still on the road 60 years 70 80 years later it's just I'm robbing from Peter to pay Paul that's what I'm here <laughs> you're good dad needs another kidney who's it gonna be how much of the, of the vampire story even crosses over into demonic you know right. possession the idea that even the the drinking of like uh, the children's blood Mm-hmm. is the typical as far as portrayal of, of yeah. Satan Lucifer, yeah. the idea that that's you know how they you know continue to live as far as uh, from century to century well and the blood was a more romanticized version of it the you know they uh, the the original stories were any kind of bodily fluids so mm-hmm. I like um, the blood. yeah blood, blood sounds a little bit more you know that's the heart the 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 blood of it all so I think that's where it, it twisted and people would you know, dig up graves and find blood in the mouth. So they assumed, oh, well, the neighbors are start dying in this guy and they're going anemic and he's got fresh blood. He must be a vampire. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It's funny too, that you say that, Don, because I know that from past research from and Lorraine Warren, they dove, they, they don't like, they dove straight into that on many accounts in regards to demonic possessions in the form of a vampire state. So, I mean, I do think a lot of times throughout history, they, they crossed quite a bit. If, correct me if I'm wrong, but. We, though we have to be careful because there's a vast segment of society that anything that remains unexplainable, how often it is attributed to the dark side. Mm-hmm. And even UFOs, uh, with all my 
my contacts at the Pentagon through the years. It's amazing the percentage, the numbers of high-ranking officers in Washington at the Pentagon who believe that UFOs are demonic, that we're dealing as far as with, as far as... Uh, right, and that angels are, are part of the alien races. The Nordics, the the you know, there's many different versions. I just did a show a couple of days ago with Samuel Chong talking about this and the fact that aliens uh, are most likely more angelic beings and that we're all part of this big cosmic test tube pilot program. Um, so it's interesting. And in, in this book that you know we talked about uh, by Michelle DeMarquet. Uh, talked about many of these different things all the way down to why hauntings exist that there's uh, part of our electrons that that move on the positive electrons move on the junk that like 13 percent that's left behind is what we consider a ghost so there's a lot of interesting fascinating facets hmm. that tie alien ufo ghost interdimensional all of that together so that's why i never what? close your mind to any one design believing that this is it because I think that's the fascinating part is peel back those layers and then find where the next vein takes you. Yeah. And would it, would it be something that there is one universal trickster who is behind all of this and that just as people in near-death experiences more times than not describe their loved ones, their, you know, their passed on loved ones that, you know, greeting them, the first faces they see as they cross beyond that uh, tunnel of light, that type of thing, that people interpret experiences within a phenomenon that they are curious or interested in, that somebody who would see something as a UFO, someone else may see it as a ghost manifestation, or someone who would see something, uh, a portergeist would then see it as an alien, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So, Arian would, uh, like the late John Keel would suggest that uh, we're either the galactic zoo or we're the uh, universal insane asylum that all the crazy. <laughs> and why can't uh, we be a little bit from column A and a little bit from column B? I'm a firm <laughs> believer that the reason that you see Bigfoot in waves, you'll see all these Bigfoot sightings and then it goes quiet. As soon as he goes quiet is when McDonald's releases the McRib sandwich every few months. <laughs> So have they taken Bigfoot, processed him into a, a McRib sandwich, and then like Bigfoot are like, woo, hide again, and they're gone for a while, and then they start coming out, <laughs> get trapped by Ronald McDonald and their sandwiches again. But I love yeah. those delicious Bigfoot bastards, and I can't wait for McDonald's to re-release their McRib sandwich any day. So there's the new endorsement for you, McRib, Bigfoot. Well, we lost Walmart earlier, now we just Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll call those saucy squatches. <laughs> I'll never eat one. I'll be, I'll be I'll never be able to eat one. So just wait, does that apply with the uh, the shamrock shake then? Is that only when the leprechaun sightings go down? Mm -hmm, Do we get the mm -hmm. Yeah, they grab them, put them in the blender with some vanilla. And there you go. She so much wanted to eat at the Flying Saucer McDonald's. Yes. I did. No, she I did. just take she won't she won't uh dine there so thanks yeah. dave you yourself yeah right i'm, I'm here to help <laughs> if that means there's one more mcrib in the world for me i'm okay with that okay there, well exactly 
Just so guys, like thank, you can for, have mine. thanks for having me on and talking about all the fun stuff. I'd be happy to come back and delve into werewolves and Bigfoot and, and Chupacabra and Nessie and all the other fun stuff. Cause I do have thoughts, believe it or not on more than just that. And, uh, talking about all this fun stuff um and if people are interested i have a, a program mondays and fridays called the paranormal 60 with dave schrader they can find me on youtube live mondays and fridays or they can listen to my audio version of the podcast on any platform out there and i've i've had brit on and i, I i'm pretty sure i had you on down on, on darkness radio back in the day yes, I, I yeah do it. You remember that day. Yeah. Yes. and speaking of vampires you don't look any different than the last time i had you on 15 <laughs> years ago show me those teeth Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Britt, hold up some garlic next to this guy next time. See if he starts to sizzle and pop. I need I'm telling you, I've seen him run, Dave, and he can run really fast. I've seen him run. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I'm telling you, there's something. I would explain to it. the werewolf hair, the arched <laughs> eyebrows. He's, ooh, I got gotcha. you. I know. The Eddie Munster style, right? I know. <laughs> uh, and wow. my new show is, is Ghosts of Devil's Perch from butte montana and if you go out to butte montana you can check out the spirits and what is it the uh the spooks and spirits tour and it's a great tour it'll tell you a lot about the history and and they have real love for their community there um but august 21st the new show launches on travel channel and discovery plus ghosts of devils perch and hopefully it'll be a success it runs through to middle october during ghost tober and uh you know maybe during the season or afterwards i can come back and we could talk a little bit about what you saw that Absolutely. would be fun. That would be great. We look forward to that and wish you all the success in the world again. Thank you very much. Rightly deserved. Thank yes, you. And I'm glad you were able to make time to come on. I love meant it. a lot. <laughs> I'd be more than happy to join you again. And I know I'll, I'll get both of you on the show soon. We'll get you on uh, the Paranormal 60 and uh, talk all kinds of fun stuff. We'll be I real serious. We'll be real serious. No. The world's too short. Life's too short to be serious. We can have a good time talking about this and yeah, laugh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make ribs, shamrock shakes. We got this. Yes, yes, yes. See what other spots we can lose. Yeah, we'll think, yeah. Yeah, we lost Walmart, McDonald's. Let's go after Wendy's next. Yeah. Let's go after Amazon next. Come on. We'll do <laughs> no, I'm out. I'm tapping out. I love Amazon and McDonald's. Leave me alone. Okay. I do love Amazon. Yeah, let's not top that. I, Amazon comes to my house all the time. My kids That's need right. Amazon. My even mm -hmm. son says, "Add to cart." So That's yeah, right. no, yep. Yep. <laughs> no. My kids see the Amazon driver more than they see me, so that's the only stable oh. relationship they have in their life. I can't do away with Amazon. It's the concrete they need right now. The foundation. <laughs> right. Yeah. The thing that keeps this world together. This show was brought to you by Amazon and <laughs> McDonald's. Try the new sassy saucy squatch this summer. <laughs> I love it. Okay, that's it. You're doing your commercials from here on out. You got My it. God. Take care, guys. Thank you, Dave. Thanks again Bye -bye. to everybody who came it's out. Great. To... <laughs> <It was great. laughs> Thanks again to everyone who came to listen today to this wonderful show with Dave Schrader. Of course, as always, you can visit us on our official website at anchor.fm forward slash no earthly explanation. If you have any thoughts, comments, or a certain person or a guest you'd love to have um, on our show, please send us an email at noearthlyexplanation.com. Or Dave Schrader. Or, <laughs> or Dave Schrader back. Where'd that come from? Yeah, He's looping back in. He's looping back in. <laughs> from the dead. You know, just come. Yeah. We don't want to anchor him here. We don't want to anchor him. <laughs> 
Uh, if you want to listen to us, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Beaker, so many more other locations. Feel free to follow us all, including Dave Schrader, on Instagram and on Facebook. You can follow us at No Earthly Explanation on Facebook and at No Earthly Explanation on Instagram. Individually, you will find us as hosts on both platforms as well. Britt Barbieri on, um, I'm actually Britt Barbieri Official on Facebook and Britt Investigates on Instagram. And Donald Schmidt, you can find him on Instagram at Don47Tom or on Facebook at forward slash Donald Raymond Schmidt with an A. Dave, do you want to go ahead and give your little tag there for where they can find you on social? No, if they want to find me, just look for me. I want to I want to give them the gift of me. <laughs> You've got to work for it. If you just hand it to people, they I can you can teach a man to fish and he'll eat for life, or you can give him my name and uh, how to find me, and they'll find me in seconds. So I don't know if that all crosses over, but there I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for the guy that looks like Rick from Pawn Stars, but goes by the name Dave Schroeder, and that's that's. Oh, no, you're better looking than Rick on Pawn Stars. No, no, no. That, that's true. My God. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad talking. you came out. I was talking to you, Britt. What? You look better than uh, the guy in Pawn Stars. Oh, gee, I hope so. <laughs> My God, this went south fast. Wow, I'm going to get on my Pegasus and get out of here. Jeez Louise. Until next time, everybody, tune in for more harassment to Brittany yes, from my yes. co-host. Or just go to the Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader where it's always love and light and uniform. <laughs> I like that. He signed moments. 10 minutes ago and yet his voice is still echoing through the room. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Well, I'm glad we could all share laughs and have a great night. We hope you shared laughs with all of you listeners. Again, thank you so much for being subscribers and listening to us on No Earthly Explanation. Until next time, look in the skies because you never know who might be watching you from up there. So have a great night, great day, whatever time you listen to us and take care, everyone. Night, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please be sure to rate and review this episode. This podcast is produced by Todd Fisher and distributed by Metacortex Publishing. This podcast is copyright. Any previously trademarked or copyright content is used by permission. Information and opinions stated in this podcast should not be construed as medical advice. Please be sure to visit the official website for the International Association of Metatomics at metatomics.org or find us on social media for other unique content. 